good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me from across the pond, he's a statesman to my Kingsman and I'd like to preserve him for future generations. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? It's funny how things come full circle, sir, because we had we had phased the Kingsman thing out, and it, we I think we're bringing it back. Um, maybe that's a sign <laughs> that the fourth movie is going to happen, uh, yep. even though the third movie I don't think did very well, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, but, was know. that the was that the King's Man? The King's Man, which they're obviously they were setting up more. Yeah. Um, and I'm down for it. I've enjoyed all three. I don't think they're all you know masterpieces or anything. But we're not here to talk about Kingsman. What am I doing? What, what is happening? Doing, well, I want you to know, know how are you doing though, my friend? How is Florida? Are you keeping it safe and well? Uh, you know, it's it's weird weather week. Uh, it's been it was hot last week and it's starting to get cold again. And it's it, today was warm, but tonight's supposed to drop into the 40s. So we're just in this weird like up and down wave of weather here. Um, but you know, we're uh, we're doing we're we're working and uh, um, I'm I've been getting prepped uh, for my my non IB film classes we're we're going to be one class is covering musicals and one yes. class is covering uh sci-fi and I haven't done genre yes. in this formal style for a couple of years we used to do that that was always the structure of the class before the pandemic and then when the pandemic happened and half of our stuff half of our students were at home it created a problem because I didn't have access to my full film library yeah um so I I you know I had to like kind of I was just kind of doing movie by movie, but now I decided to dive back into genre. I like the organization of it. Um, I think it's fun. The projects we get to do out of it. And man, I got to say, I, I really love pushing my students to uh, accept musicals because I, when I was their age, I hated musicals. And honestly, pretty much until I started Burke reviews, I had the attitude that musicals weren't for me. And I've really mm-hmm. come full circle on that where I've no, no, there's musicals for everybody. You just have to find the ones that do work. And, um, so I was working on like a slideshow and then uh, I got three new really big bookshelves in my classroom yesterday to uh, expand Burkbuster a little bit. It was getting a little tight. Um, we had movies like stacked in front of each other where you couldn't really shop it. So I got bigger bookshelves. I got all my movie books uh, that students can check out also like, you know, about filmmaking, about cinematography, that kind of stuff, uh, including Quentin Tarantino's uh, film book that came out last year, um, Cinema Speculations. Uh, yes. I got a couple of copies of that on the shelf. Um, but so I was like moving stuff around today, like finishing, putting stuff on the new shelves. And I just like threw the La La Land soundtrack on. Yeah. And it was just, sometimes I wish we could be like musicals where we could just dance, you know, and no one would think like, oh, whatever. They're weird. They're dancing. Because it's been a dream of mine to meet you and do that, John, like they do in the planetarium in that film. We'll just float off. Yes. Float into outer space, uh, <laughs> you know, but th- that's what I've been kind of like focused on this week was getting those PowerPoints ready. And it's been a lot of fun exploring. Um, I ended up with the the genre analysis too. I, I started using La La Land as a breakdown because it's such a great example of a student of film making a genre film. Like it's yes. Damien Chazelle really showcasing the musical genre, especially the MGM musicals from that time period um, of the fifties that he's you know calling back to. And uh, it just breaks down so perfectly into the genre elements that it, it was very easy to like pull images. Like here's the protagonist. Here's the female protagonist. There isn't like really truly an antagonist. It's their own. They're in their own way, you know, um, yeah. and, and Hollywood um, is in their way. I, I mean, obviously if you've seen La La Land, it ends differently than those classic musicals would traditionally end, which is why some people don't like it, but they're wrong. So, Get that um, wrong. 
I, I, I'm a, a big fan of that. I love the songs in it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to teach it. Uh, I'm, I'm dabbling with some stuff. I showed them the, uh, the opening, uh, eight minute dance number from West Side Story, the 1961 West Side Story. Um, and then we talked about the problematic nature of Natalie Wood being, uh, the Puerto Rican character. Um, you know? yes. But that, you know, and then how Spielberg has, you know, righted the ship a little bit with that. He's, he's cast correctly. We didn't have people in Brownface uh, in the, the new version of West Side Story. But I was surprised because a lot of them were very, like, I literally had a student come up to me and, like, beg me to not do musicals uh, on Monday when we start uh, Tuesday when we started talking about it. Yeah. Um, but then today... I, I caught wind because they they play basketball for a few seconds in that scene and there's no singing in that opening uh, number, right? It's just them dancing. And yep. um, I think they were more open to the dancing, uh, especially because they're like, they're fight dancing. You know, it's like, um, I, I, I think I might have at least convinced them that you may not like everything we watch, but there are going to be musicals that you will like if you give it a chance. And that's my, that's my thesis. It's not that you're going to like every musical, but that somewhere in that genre, there is one that you will enjoy. And that's all we have to do is figure out which ones. It's, it's genre, isn't it? You know, I love, you know how much I love the horror genre, but it doesn't mean I love every single film in it or even every single sub genre of the genre. For example, we're talking about Skin and Marink last week uh, and the week before how, you know, I couldn't, you know, I appreciate it for what it is, but I can't sit there and watch that all day, every day, that kind of stuff, man. Uh, and there are other, you know, subgenres within that, which I naturally gravitate to. Same as in something like sci-fi, same as in action. There are certain, there are certain things that personally I look for, which I'll always go towards. And musicals, I remember when I found out La La Land was a musical, I, I was off the uh, a radar when La La Land really came out. I didn't really look to know too much about it other than people were really really loving it i knew there was a song and dance here and there but when it opened with uh, another day of sun on the on the i-95 or wherever they are in la um i thought oh no oh no this is very kind of broadway west end very theatrical very la la la, la. i thought i can't be i don't oh, know what have i done but then the movie hit like everything everywhere for you the movie entered my top five of all time on the strength of everything within it including the songs including the dancing because it all just felt so right so it pains me that little bit to hear you say you may not teach it but i i get your reasons oh, why and i sit here every i've taught week it before thinking, oh, you, i yeah, think yeah. you need to teach it again john just so you can I'll, watch it, it again and i might i'm I definitely <laughs> yeah. i'm teaching about it um yeah. like so uh, it's a very good example of a modern musical isn't it even well, it pays I, homage one of the things that i like to do with with my classes is i try to find their entry point and i don't know if mm-hmm. la la land might be too like i i think the genre of music can't go too classic i, I think mm-hmm. it needs to be a little more poppy or a little more like i'm avoiding the jukebox musicals as much as possible um you great like, man uh i'm thinking i might be leaning into like uh in the heights um to get mm-hmm. a little bit of the uh lin-manuel built into that mm-hmm. um and uh a musical that many people haven't seen that big tuna turned me on to is called stuck. Um, and I haven't it's, seen that one. it's, uh, it's a very diverse cast. And it's one of the things I really like about it. And it, it's, it's about the interactions of these different types of people. Um, like there's a homeless man who's played by Giancarlo Esposito, who I always love to see, especially singing. He's wild in this movie. Um, Ashanti <laughs> plays, uh, in like a, the middle-aged type character, which is interesting because I've known Ashanti uh, as a musician for a long time. Um, it's just, it's a kind of, 
eclectic musical. It's not perfect, but I really like it. And I like, uh, it's the, the music is all over the place genre wise. Um, is even, there's even a character who's, uh, Hispanic and he's, uh, I believe his song is predominantly in Spanish. So I like that. Like, I like mm-hmm. the, the ability to include as many of my student, uh, styles into the movie as possible. And it's only 90 minutes, which is always, you know, as we well, talk we about, like the show way too long. Film, we? We, we like a 90 minute film, you know, it's hard not to, um, unless it's bad. As long as it's in a good case, one. We don't like it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's got to be a good film. Well, thankfully, tonight we are talking about a musical film. If by musical you mean a science fiction thriller set Ah. in a dystopian future, then yeah, we are. Of course, we're not talking about a musical. For those who are new to the show, firstly, welcome. Each week we drop a a non-spoiler review of the week's biggest or most interesting release. January's been quite sparse and it will continue to be so. So we're throwing out some interesting bones over the next few weeks. And this week... Uh, we're going to drop our uh, review of the Netflix original Jung E. Now, we're not going to drop spoilers in the episode, but we are going to discuss the movie slightly more in depth than we usually would do. Fear not, though, we're not going to spoil the big reveals. We're not going to spoil the third acts, but we're not going to be doing our usual spoiler episode on Monday. So do bear that in mind if you haven't seen the film. This one's just over an hour and 30. It's an hour and 39 minutes. So it's not too bad. But this is uh, this is Jung E then. It's directed and written by uh, Yon Sang Ho, of course, of Train to Busan and Peninsula fame. And it stars Lee Dong Hee as the chairman in her final role before she passed away, uh, Kang Soo Yun as uh yun so hyun uh kim hyunju as jungi um ji won as lee si yun and ryu kyung su as sang hoon uh the film Ooh. was actually dedicated to kang su yun as well she she passed away wow. in real life just after they'd finished filming this uh, was it she is, because of cancer or um i i believe it was a cardiac arrest i believe it was um just well, from reading I, I up about it i didn't know that detail yeah that's crazy well, no, because I when I saw the film was was in tribute to this 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 performer when I was watching, I wasn't kind of tuned into who it was at first, and I noticed that I think they were born in like 1966, and I thought, well, that's that's no age at all. So I uh, quickly googled, um, got it up, and I was like, oh wow, that was our kind of lead actress in this film, uh, which is very sad news to hear. Again, 1966 birth, that's that's no age. That's what 56 years old. Coming on 57, that's no age. And I know that she was a very respected actress in the Korean film industry as well. So, um, okay, so we don't give spoilers, like I say, but we do read the synopsis, which says, On an uninhabitable 22nd century Earth, the outcome of a civil war hinges on cloning the brain of an elite soldier to create a robot's mercenary. So we're going forward in time here. Now... How do critics and the fans see this film? It's a Netflix film, which almost comes with a stigma attached to it. John, currently on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have this at 60%, 60%. And the audience, not far off, 64% audience score. Okay, so we're pretty pretty standard across the board then. But how about this? 53 meta score, 5.4 IMDb user score, and 2.6 on Letterbox. 2.6 out of 5. You, you double that to make it out of 10, that's... 5.2 so we're kind of pretty much across the board people are giving this five yeah. to six uh as a consensus as we mentioned this film is only available on netflix so if you have a netflix subscription you can watch jungie for free i don't 
I, I feel like I may have zoned out if you said this, and apologies if you did, but uh, did we mention who the director, uh, his other work? Yes, sir, we did. Um, okay, I failed so hard. I apologize. My friend uh, is totally fine. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, Yun San Ho with the masterful Train to Busan, one of the great zombie films of the lot, and then came back with Peninsula, which for me wasn't. And then, but obviously, looking through his filmography, and in preparation for this, I've seen a lot of people starting to think now that Train to Busan was a bit of a fluke. Now, what did we think about Jung E? Uh, it's I looked at the budget for this. It's in terms of dollars, it's a sixteen million dollar budget film. I actually thought it was going to be higher than that. And at times, the film looks like it's got a sixteen million dollar budget. The the film, I think, straight up the top, I think the film is good. I think the film is fine. It's good. It borrows from a lot of other films that potentially do this uh, scenario a little bit better. You think Ex Machina, think Ghost in the Shell, obviously. Blade Runner, Altered Carbon, There's a, you, you, a t- the Terminator. Throw all those into a blender and you kind of come out with um, Jung E. Now, again, I think, I think it's a fine film. I think it struggles somewhat with its own story and how far... Um, Yon Sang Ho actually wants to go with this. A lot of the issues within it, I found, were quite surface level in terms of how they dealt with them. Now, that's not to say that the film doesn't have its moments because there are, there's one moment in this especially, but I can think of two more so, that Yon Sang Ho, if anyone has seen Train to Busan, you know when he gets that emotional, when he, when he, when everything falls into place, he can hit you right where it hurts. And there are two moments in this film where I think he does that very, very well, actually. But in and around that, there are moments which I thought, or characters, which I thought, hey, just seems a bit OTT. And I'm looking at you, Lee Dong. He is chairman. Um, sorry, he, he, he's, no, he's a director. Sorry, I'm talking about the, sorry, is um, ah. Ryu Kyung Soo as Sang Hoon, the director. I was like, I get it. I get what you're doing. It started off okay, but he never quite dropped the shtick of who he was. Mm. We find out later on a little bit more about why that is. But yeah. um, it's. I th- I, I, in, it, there's some interesting kind of hypotheticals that the film raises. I just don't think it goes into it as far as it could do. We're talking about um, yep. human identity here. We're talking about obviously looking forward. We're talking about cloning. We're talking about um, we're talking about independence and what do you own? And also, we're looking at big corporations and how bad the big corporations are, and you're selling yourselves to them. And as I mentioned, you've seen other films like Ghost in the Shell do this. And they do it better, I think. But there is some drama within this. And I think that uh, Yan Sang Ho does very well at times to weave that drama in. It just sometimes feels like we've got the drama facing off against the action in this. Now, we mentioned that the they're, they're trying to clone the brain of an elite soldier. So we're going to get some action scenes. The film opens up with an action scene, which is probably one of the better scenes in the film. Um, yeah. And then we kind of get action spliced throughout and at times it actually drags the film down, especially in the middle with a second act, second half, second of the third, two act, three act, sorry. I think this film suffers quite um, badly from some pacing issues and some mm. repetition as well. But um, so it, it's, it's fighting against itself with the act. Well, does it want to be an action film, a sci-fi film? Yeah. Does it want to be this, um, I can't think of the word, but it's a big long word, but existentialism, talking about existentialism, or does it want to be a drama? You know, individually, some parts of each bit has some good moments, but it doesn't come together enough for me, John, in this film. It's not a bad film. I'm going to say that right now. This isn't a film which I watched and thought, 
God almighty, this is bad. I just, this is a film I watched and thought, I appreciate it. I, I like what you're doing here, but I'm going to, but if I want to see it done in a more elevated way or a better way, I'm going to go and watch one of those five or six films or television shows that I've seen earlier on. It's just not very original. It feels Netflixy and well, it has all the vibes of a Netflix film, but I didn't dislike it, John. Is this the part no, now where you say you hated it? No, actually, I think you pretty much expressed exactly how I feel. Um, I gave <laughs> it three out of five on Letterboxd. And I think I'd be with I you think, there, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I you could go a half a star either way. Like, I could go yeah. up a half a star, go down half a star. Um, you actually made me kind of reevaluate something. Sometimes I fall for, I really like this idea that you present but then forget that they don't do anything with it outside of present it. And I was all yes. like, I was going to, and I'm going to talk about it actually right now. The, they present this idea of three different, basically insurance levels of saving your brain. Uh, mm-hmm. There's the A class, which you get full human rights. So your Android body, you have full uh, autonomy over it. Like your, your brain, your human brain will be digitized and put into an AI Android body and you will basically just get to keep on living as a human, even though you're an Android, but that's expensive. And then they have tier B and tier B is you have less rights, but still mostly have con- like some human rights and some rules that you can follow. Mm-hmm. But then the free option C is uh, mm-hmm. the, some company owns it and they can do whatever they want with it. They can make replicants. They can, you know, not of you. So like there could be a million of you and you have no rights. Uh, you are essentially a slave. I thought that it was a really cool concept. Yep. But it kind of ends there. Like it does tie into other moments in the plot, but that should be the focus of this yeah. movie is this class yeah. kind of division. Cause it's, there's clearly you could get into like class warfare type yeah. situations where, you know, the, the wealthy elite are going to have autonomy. They're going to be able to do whatever they want. While mm-hmm. most of us who maybe we don't want to like not live forever. We want our, our consciousness to continue going would be stuck with that free option. And of course there's others who maybe wouldn't even want any of those options, but this the moral um, issue of it as well, which comes into it, which isn't right. really um, defined or explored. Well, especially that C it's almost indentured servant uh, type situation. And with that C class, because they can have, they can create a version of you that is, you know, uh, for sale and things like that. And uh, it does, it doesn't go deep enough with the ethics of it. And that's what sci-fi is supposed to do now sci-fi action which is this is that hybrid genre it's definitely more concerned with being an action movie um and that i don't think the action looks bad especially because this is a netflix movie it, like i think the c it's all cg listeners that's the important thing and i think that's wearing on me as like movies like i love good hand-to-hand combat uh, yes. movies and it's just never as good with a cg scenario because it can't be like it just can't be um maybe with like a james cameron level motion capture avatar hand-to-hand combat can be that level of like great martial art movie but like when you look back at train to busan um i forget the actor's name but i really really like the the one bigger guy in that movie and he is an incredible action star i've seen him in a couple of other korean movies and he's really good hand-to-hand combat and there even though I think a lot of the zombies in Train to Busan are CG, the ones he fights, I do not think are. I think those are like real people scenarios. And it, it just it just feels different than what you get in this scenario. And again, I don't have any real complaints about the action. I think it looks 
pretty good considering it can't be like a mar. It, it looks better than some Marvel CG fights. At times. Uh- I'll give you that, yeah, and, and just to reiterate, it's a six, my, I worked it out via. I did some cu- currency tra- currency conversion, and I believe this comes in just around the sixteen million dollar mark for the budget, which for a CG action movie is pretty low. I would venture to say, uh, by comparison to like a Marvel film, which is at least one hundred and twenty. I would on average. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, again, uh, I don't have any major complaints about the look of the film. It just still like I would prefer hand-to-hand combat um and it makes sense into the the premise why it's not uh, uh real people and why it's like robots and whatnot um but at the same time it's like yeah but it, i i also then you could argue i would rather just have an animated film than a cg animated film it's a great like, show um which obviously uh there's there's flaws with fighting in animation because it, it, you have to draw all of it and it takes even longer so like i don't know what the i, I guess just real people i tend to like uh with that guess, type of but stuff. with animation you can kind of animation we've all seen animated films especially anime or um or from the studios from japan korea wherever we know you can get away with a lot more in animation you can be that bit more daring and a lot of some of the best you look at ghosts in the show look how layered that film is look at the depth of which they explore their theme in that film which is absolutely spectacular something which to be fair the scarlet Johansson one didn't do a bad job of replicating the film itself wasn't isn't anywhere near as good as that original but i don't think it's as bad as the world gives it credit for it's just a bit bland um but in animation you can get away with a lot more and i think that's a good point i think if jung e was an animated film i think we look upon it maybe a little bit differently i think you're right and again it's I, I do like this film. I think there's some good stuff in it. I, I, I like the two main characters. I like um, Kim Han Joe or Ju. Yep. Joe. Um, uh, Ju, yeah. I think she's very cool. I, thought, I like her. Yeah. I thought her performance was really good. Um, especially there are moments where sh- her performance is like, I can't imagine what it would have been on set. Cause it's like, she's like a, a bust at some point where she's, it's just a head and shoulders. Um, yeah. And like the, so I don't know how is she sitting in a chair? Is is that just CG face and like you know voice acting? Like I'm not sure what we're looking at to be honest. But I thought the performance was was really good. Mm-hmm. I believe, and as so. you said, uh, Sang Ho really good at hitting those emotional beats and not feeling manipulative about it. Like those when those emotional beats hit, you're like, oh guy, you yeah. you did a good job getting that emotion there. Um, yep. I'm a bigger fan of Peninsula than a lot of other people, so. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't dislike this. Um, I really love Train to Busan. Like that's like masterclass yeah, yeah. movie. P- Peninsula. I had a lot of fun. It was Mad Max, Fast and Furious meets that emotional family thing. Um, and then, you know, this is a little less again. Um, but interesting concepts here. I do wish. Uh, I think you were correct too when you said about the pacing. It. it it feels like they're trying to get to the end, maybe because they're running out of dollars because they spent yeah. it all on the CG. Um, <laughs> but but they don't miss the emotional beats, and I think that's what makes this watchable and not bad. Is the story yeah. still solid? You just see where they they cut things off that could should have been developed more. Um, again, you get you mentioned the ethics. I won't get into specifics because I think that gets into the third act stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, there are things that are 
they're like throwaway moments that should be like the heart or the meat of what this story is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what's disappointing and why it's only like a three-star movie and not a five-star because if this were Blade Runner or um, more to me, Blade Runner 2049, which does a better oh. job than Blade Runner, in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm with you there. Sorry, guys. Uh, it, it just, you know, it lingers and it allows you to kind of chew on the, the, uh, repercussions of what the characters have done and this movie does not have time for that it's like yeah. nope action this it thing's focuses happening. on its strengths more than kind of trying to be a jack of all trades which i think this film is trying to do where it tries to it's trying to include too much i mean in doing so never really has time to explore any of them whereas like you said quite rightly actually if it focuses on that kind of class system that tier system of um of your existence and when you pass i think that is that would be an excellent thing to focus on or just focus on the on the emotional core of this film and maybe cut back on some of the action because i went back and watched the trailer for this film and the trailer looks like an action film which is also not very helpful um and i don't look look i don't often i don't really like comparing one film to another which aren't which i started this review off with but i think for a film like this where it's not an original film. There's nothing unique about this film. It's very hard to not critique it against other films. And when there are films like you mentioned with uh, Blade Runner 2049, like I mentioned in the ghost in the show, when those, when those films exist and cover similar beats, but do it so well, with so much gravitas and weight and quality, it's hard not to look at something like Jung E and think yeah, you just don't stack up. And lest it be for me to tell Yun Sang Ho how to write a film or direct a film, I just think, like like you pointed out, the focus was on the wrong areas. This could have been a much better film if they trimmed out some of that fat, if they got rid of some of that repetition that we saw in the middle and focus on some of that drama that he's so good at eliciting from his actors and from the, the moments. This film's got some good moments in it. This is not enough of them. I agree completely. And it's unfortunate, but again, we have watched way worse film from Netflix than this Absolutely. one. So if you like sci-fi, you like a little action, I think this one's worth checking out. And I do think the performances are really solid. I'm sad to find out that uh, the lead essentially uh, ha- has passed. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, she's good. She, like, we didn't really mention her, but I think she has no, a very understated performance. Some she could does. say boring, but I think very, it's very understated see, and she comes alive when she needs to. I would say it reflects uh, the the like Ryan Gosling twenty forty nine vibe, right? Like it's this um, yep. dour, not sure where you fit in, dreaded yeah. existential type vibe that I think she's she does living a really her good situation. Job. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. She, she, I think I liked her. I think she's good. I, I can see people thinking it was a bit boring, but no, I think when she needed to, she 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 rose to the moments when she needed to, and other than that, I quite liked her more subdued performance in comparison to something like uh ryu kyung su who is very yeah. big in this film very and that kind of, it is very and that kind of grated me a little bit and then it's not just him but you've got there are there are other things in here like you've got this this new ceo at one point of the company just dressed in pink she turns up she says things and then she's never seen again i'm like what yeah what that? what's that all about <laughs> it's just things like that which happened but i thought yeah, even that interaction young, felt it felt out of place almost it like, felt what, like a reshoot 
but I don't know yeah. if they, this film went through reshoots. But um, so I think in her final performance, I think Kang Soo Yun uh, gave a very good performance, and like you, I think Kim Hyun Joo as Jung E was very affable. I liked her an awful lot. So um, overall, John, it, it, it's solid. If you've got an hour and forty to burn, and you like sci-fi, which goes a little bit dramatic, a little bit action, but doesn't really commit to anything else you'll probably like this but do you have anything else you want to add john uh no um i like i said i, I think if you are into those the genres that you, you're in for a solid film yeah yeah that's I, I agree with that my friend and that seems like a pretty good place to end off our discussion of jung e as we mentioned there won't be a spoiler episode for this film let's go check out the film let us know what you thought about it and we'll give those social links at the end of the episode so let's move on now to our next segment, which we call Chuffed Headlines. Here, John and myself, we grab a movie or pop culture headline that caught our attention and we share it with the world and discuss it. So, John, what positive, happy story have you gone for this week? Well, I'm not, I'm only going to briefly talk about the story because I'm going to use it as a platform. Um, so okay. in case listeners you don't know, Matt and I do another podcast infrequently called Movie Astrology. There will be more of them. And uh, well, I mean, it's a limited series in the sense that we can only do as many years as there are movies, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got a limited window. Granted, we have a lot of episodes left to do. We um, do. It is time consuming uh, because for us to cover, we have to watch movies of the year that we're covering. But nevertheless, pretty much what is it like 1981? The Razzies show up. If you're not familiar, that's the Golden uh, yeah. Raspberry Awards. Um, it's somewhere in the 80s. I know that they show up. I don't remember the exact year, but the Golden Raspberries are the anti-Oscars. They are the negative awards. They give the worst movie and the worst thing. And sometimes they've been funny. I can't act like mm-hmm. I've never approved of their nominations. But at the same time, the very heart of the awards is nasty. It's mean. It's cruel. It's not nice. It's not yep. It's not the people are in on the joke vibe. It is always this kind of belittling and condemnation. And it's one of the reasons why when we do our Bampies, we don't do the worst movie of the year. We yeah. try to do disappointment, like yeah. movies that we were really excited about that let us down versus just outright saying, this is what we think is the worst movie because something a lot of film critics say nowadays is no one sets out to make a bad movie. And yeah. even if you think something is bad, there's probably someone out there who loves it. Of course. And we've said on astrology as well, just to your point, that Mm -hmm. the Razzie Awards, they kind of started as a little bit of fun. You know, it's kind of like the, 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 obviously the counterculture, the counter to the Oscars, a little bit of fun. Oh, sliced. So Hulk Hogan was bad in Suburban Commando. Let's just, let's just give him an award, but not actually have a proper, like a real ceremony. But we've noticed, haven't we? And I know you have, especially that Mm -hmm. the, the, the further we go through astrology, movie astrology, the, the less funny it, the, these Razzies become or the less lighthearted and, and the more cynical they become, the more, like you say, mean spirited. And um, it seems to have hit ahead now. Yes. And one movie that got a lot of hate last year that big tuna and I actually were kind of on board with. Um, it was a better X-Men movie than several of the X-Men movies um, <laughs> was Firestarter, right? I didn't uh, mind it. I, I thought it was solid. Like I thought Zach Efron was good. And I definitely didn't remember having anything negative to say about its lead. Um, yes. Who is Ryan Kiara Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, I thought she did well with what was given to her mm-hmm. and child performances are always tough because they're children. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of times, if anybody deserves the blame for a, a child's actoring, it's either the parents for making their kid do the thing, maybe the casting director for casting a child, but probably more realistically the director because the director is supposed to get the performance out of the actor. They have to make the kid feel comfortable. You know, like even Stanley Kubrick, who's notoriously a hard ass of a director, yeah. supposedly was so kind to the kid on The Shining that the kid didn't even know he was in a horror movie and he was so protective of him. So I don't know for sure if it's the director's fault even more. I don't think anything was wrong with her performance, but the Razzies have maybe gone too far and nominated a 12 year old girl as worst actress. Now as a teacher of high school students who actively tries to stop bullying and stop this cruelness to see adults think it's okay to put them on like, and I can't sit here and say I've never criticized a child performance. I'm sure I have. Oh, we, we've done it on this show, but we but we're also very aware of the fact that they are a, a, a child. Yes, we will always be honest and say if a if a performance isn't up to par, we will always bring it up. But we won't sit here and rag on the performer per se, or to to give them like to nominate them for a worse actress. Now, the beauty of this article is the backlash from the internet for once. I think did it's not that it never does good, but a lot of times the backlash of the internet is a bad phrase. In this case, it's for good um, because they rescinded the nomination and said the, it probably wasn't a good idea is a horrible quote. If the headline from the Rolling Stones article is accurate, but um, I think maybe this, the lesson to take from this is not that you just shouldn't give a negative award. We just shouldn't have negative awards. Like, It's it's counterintuitive in the fact that it's an award, right? And no one's trying to be the worst um, that we're aware of, at least. And if someone is, cool. But most of the time, it's mean-spirited and thus unnecessary. Like, let's prop up the, the people who did really well. And, you know, if we have criticisms, because, again, we, we definitely we give negative criticisms on of this course. show. I'm not saying there isn't room for that, but it, it to make fanfare about it. And again, talk about punching down to, to target a 12 year old on a yeah. movie that did not do well, whether you like it or not, it did not do well. It yeah. wasn't like a big blockbuster that we were like, Oh, well clearly like if you, if they had nominated Jacob Tremblay from the room, which would have been insane, mind you, but if they had um, to, to do that the year that like, Oh no, the room is doing really well. Everyone's like, he could probably get over, but like to, to it's like kicking someone while they're down. The movie didn't like take off. A lot of people didn't see it. And then to like, give her the negative award. It's just like, come on, this, this has to end. Um, we're already pushing for the globe stand, but maybe the Razzies just have <laughs> outstayed their welcome. Yeah. I mean, look, like you say, we, we critique films on, on this podcast, uh, and we do it on our on our respective websites as well, and on our letterbox. Sadly, something has to be at the bottom of our yearly ranking. But we mm-hmm. don't. I'd like to think we don't make a big song and dance about it. Yeah, sure. We'll we mention what we may it. think was the the film that we didn't like during the year, whether it disappointed us or we just didn't like it. There have been films that I've come out here and said I just I do not like this film at all. But that's kind of where it ends now. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather focus on yep. the films that I did like, and. The Razzies, whilst I admit, uh, in in theory, like yeah, it's it's a bit of fun that it used to be anyway. It it has become mean spirited and stuff like this, and I think I think they did the same with Jake Lloyd back in ninety nine with the Phantom Menace. Which oh, look what happened to Jake Lloyd. God, um, yeah. Let's not hope. I hope this girl does not. Yeah, 
follow in those footsteps. I certainly hope not, because I thought she was fine in the film. And again, like you and Tuna, the triumvirate here, I thought the film was actually fine. It didn't blow me away, but I thought it was solid. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the fact that they've had to take a backward step because of the backlash, I think is firstly great that people were willing to stand up enough for for this young actress and say, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Look at yourselves in the mirror. I think it's good that the Razzie Awards looked at it and thought, okay, maybe we're in the wrong here. But like you said, it shouldn't actually have to get to that point for them to say, oh, we've been found out. Okay, well, we'll admit we've done something wrong because people have found out and told us. I think I think you're right, John. I think it's time to wind up, not because we're party poopers or we're boring or we're we're middle aged um, boomers or anything. No, it's just what's the point? I mean, how many times do you? I, I've seen it more and more in Twitter and Instagram and things of that recently, John. When any critic, whether it's someone for Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, a YouTuber, or um, you know people who do it for a hobby, whatever, put out a worst of list. There's yeah. always people now kind of saying, why, why, why are we doing this for? What is the point? Yeah. Why are we reveling in it? And that's why I like to say, we don't do it. We have our opinions and we will mention it. Yeah. But we, I think let's celebrate more so. Because as you say, people, nobody goes out to make a bad film. I mean, you could you could look at some some directors and think, maybe you do. But like, uh, uh, what's the name? The guy who did The Room or Room, whatever it's called. Um, you could think, are you going out? And, and, and his, there's somebody else who makes films like that. They've they got like a PowerPoint background. I can't think of his name now, but he's a kind oh. of um, Tommy Wiseau-esque type bloke. But I mean, even they have faith in what they're doing. So yeah, this mm-hmm. is, this is mean spirited. I'm glad that they've seen the air of their ways, but you got to kind of question how it got to that point in the first place. Yeah. And the damage is probably done. Like you can't un announce it. You know what I'm saying? The announcements, the cruel part, like the, the kids, yeah. she probably saw like, it's been out now. Worse yeah. actress. Like, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like she'd done much else either. So, like, give her a chance. Like, you've you've maybe crushed her dreams, especially in the the award season where we've heard. Um, oh man, I'm going to mess up his name. All all everything everywhere all everything everywhere all at once. Um, oh my god. Uh, short round. Why can't I think of his name? Oh, um, Ki uh, Ki Hei Kwan. Yes, we've heard him saying how he he felt like there was no jobs for him as a child actor. You know, he has these two big movies, Goonies temple of doom and then nothing. And while his might be tied to his ethnicity, it's still like a child actor's dreams were just kind of like crushed. And he wasn't nominated as worse. You know, like if this was her first movie and she's like, yay, I'm an actress. And then like, well, nah, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, like god you say that about like meryl streep like uh, no one's saying that about meryl streep that's why i'm picking her but imagine like if she's nominated for worst actress meryl can like brush it off like I, dude are you kidding i've do- i've got, i've been nominated yeah. more than any other actress ever i don't care that you've nominated me but um then there is the one other thing about the razzies though i forget which award it is but they nominated something for i can't remember if it was best or worst actress and then the the uh that same person was nominated or that same movie is nominated for a, a best picture or something. I cannot think of what it is. I, um, I know exactly what it is you're talking about and who it is you're talking about, John, because I was going to mention it. Um, oh, okay. Which kind of lead, lends into a nice little segue, I guess, because my my headline, you know what it is, guys. You know, we love the Oscars. We love the award season. Uh, on the flip side to the Razzies, the Oscars, the Academy Awards, the 95th Academy Award nominations were released last week we now we after all the conjecture and speculation we now know who will be gunning for those awards 
on March the 12th. And one of those nominations, John, to play into what you've just said is Anna de Armas for Oh, yes. Blonde. Yes, that's it. That's so it. She's up for lead actress, which <laughs> getting into that, that surprised me. Because the yes. film, you know, he's, you know, in terms of worst films, blah, blah, I didn't like Blonde. I did not like Blonde. And I said the reasons why on the show that we covered it or in the segment we covered it during that week. Anna de Armas is good in Blonde. I don't think she's excellent in Blonde. Um, and she was up for lead actress. So I was slightly surprised by that. But in the same week, she's also nominated for worst actress at the Razzies. For the so, same movie. For the same film. So, you know, what? What's up with that? Do you know what I mean? That's where you kind of think, where's, where's the relevance of this? And I know everyone's going to say, well, Halle Berry picked up her award for Catwoman and had a great time. Sa- Sandy B, Sandra Bullock yeah. took it in good the year spirit. She won. She the, won Best Exactly. Actress. And also... Different movie, Sandra though. Bullock. Different movie. Different movie, but also Sandra Bullock and Halle Berry were 12-year-old kids starting in their career at the time. Yep. So they had already had an Oscar behind them or, or were receiving Oscars that year. So it kind of felt like... What, uh, almost poking fan at the Razzies at the same time were joining in the gag. But uh, yeah, the Oscars, though, John, were announced. Uh, everything everywhere all at once leads to way with 11 nominations. We knew it would do Woo. well at the Oscars. 11 nominations. Right behind that, though, you've got All Quiet on the Western Front and the Banshees of Inner Sharing, which both got nine nominations. Um, the uh, For me, there was a few surprises in the nominations. A uh, lot's been made of... The, uh, the kind of lack of diversity once more from the oh, Oscars yeah. in terms of the, the directors all being men. I mean, I, I thought Junior Prince Bythewood was a shoe in or Sarah Polly for women talking, but no. And then also in the best actress, you know, down in the old dead while and no Viola Davis. And this isn't a case I can, I can already hear the nut job saying, well, you, you do it based on talent. Maybe you do, but I'm, I mean, Daniel Daniel Deadweiler, but especially for me, Viola Davis was absolutely superb in Norman King. And I'm looking at that Best Actress list now. I'll, I'll read it out. Kate Blanchett, shoo-in. Michelle Yeoh, a shoo-in. But then you've got Michelle Williams in Lead Actress for The Fablemans, which mm. is a brave move on her behalf. But I, for me, I know I know you are very much up on her, but I'm taking Michelle Williams out for Viola Davis because I preferred her performance. But this is all subjective. I- could agree with that um, for sure and uh, I, michelle williams while a major character it is a debated supporting role supporting to the movie. Role, yeah i think you're right john um then you've got um anna de armas uh, in blonde which a lot of people have been arguing that she's always been in the race and she has always been in the race but i was i was still very surprised when her name came out but then you've got john andrea riseborough for a film called two letterly who in the last month her performance has seen the most unbelievable campaign online by a-list actors saluting this performance as one of the best they've ever seen and hosting screenings of this film for fellow wow. uh, actors and um academy members t- to to come and watch and somehow out of nowhere she's managed to sneak into lead actress now i'll get onto that film in a sh- shortly later on but I mean, that came out of nowhere, but it has upset a lot of people in terms of the inclusion there. But uh, best actor, John, no real surprises except for maybe us. Paul, Mas- Paul Mescal got in for After Sun, not because he was bad, but uh, I didn't see I, I, I didn't see him sneaking in. I know a lot of people are very excited about that. Best director, Ruben Ursland for Triangle of Sadness is nominated. 
uh, alongside Todd Field for Tar, Spielberg, obviously, the Daniels for everything, everywhere, and McDonough for the Bantries. So every, every I mean, I'm not going to go through every category here, John, because yeah, they're out yeah. there for everyone to see. And I imagine most of our listeners know these, but it, most categories, most, not all, most seem to have kind of one inclusion where you think, oh, or, or, or snub, if you want. I don't like the word snub, but exclusion where you think, oh, that's a surprise. For me, best picture, here are the 10, John. The uh, 10 best picture nominees, all quiet on the Western Front, the Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking, and Avatar, The Way of Water. I was floored when Avatar, The Way of Water was named as one of the 10 best pictures. We've said on this show, sometimes, you know, they usually only do eight. Maybe it would sneak in of nine or 10. I had, n- I did not think for a second Avatar would be anywhere near that top 10. Um, which is which is a surprise, but we've got the two biggest grossing films of the year in there now with Top Gun and Avatar. But with um, Ruben Ursland's Triangle of Sadness being uh, in the best picture, he's also scored a best director nom. Sarah Polly didn't get a best nom for Women Talking. Uh, I get best supporting actor Brian Tyree Henry got in for Causeway alongside Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. And then you got. <laughs> which I like uh, that Gleason. performance. Um, I, I thought it was good. Gleason, Kiergun and Kwan are in as well. Brian Ty Henry was good to see him get in there again. I, I wasn't sure he would make it, but he did. And then best supporting actress. This is one that's been getting some contention just because of who has been nominated ahead of who, but, um, Angela Bassett for black Panther Wakanda forever is nominated. Now I think she was excellent in that film. Um, uh, all of my Bampy runners up and winners are actually in this Hong Chow for the whale. She was one of my runners mm-hmm. up, uh, Kerry Condon, She's great. Kerry Condon for Banshee is my other runner-up. And my winner for supporting actress was Stephanie Sue, who is in alongside Jamie Lee Curtis for Best Supporting Which actress. is cool. Yeah, a lot of people were kind of surprised that Jamie Lee Curtis was in the uh, in, in the running and being spoken about more so than Stephanie Sue. But at the end of the day, they both got in there. So everybody's a winner. And I love that Banshee's, the ensemble, got nominated. And same for Everything Everywhere. All of those kind of major players got nominated which is really cool to see uh yeah other than that the only other kind of big problem for me problem sadness was decision to leave just got nothing absolutely nothing which is a a huge surprise and the woman king didn't get anything which is a huge surprise but hey look no these are never going to be perfect john they're never going to be a catch-all for everybody but you've seen the nominations dude was there anything which you thought should or shouldn't have been in which was or wasn't when I, the, they first dropped you, you text me. It's like, w- was there any snubs? And I was like, no. Nah. And then I not necessarily snubs, like you said, but um, like I think missing, was I, I, there's so many movies, right? So like my brain didn't initially register. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, Oh wait, cause the women King, when I saw it reminded me of Braveheart in its, in its scale and storytelling. <laughs> and even in like, like these were some big performances. That I just thought every, everyone was so good. in The woman King and Bythewood comes out just swinging with this huge epic right costume production as well yeah and so i expected uh that and i kind of maybe this is what happened is it it was at a week it came out like september i think right like it was Uh, it was a few months ago i i I really like that movie i'm surprised it it, i feel like a lot of people didn't see it in general and i wonder if maybe that even happened with the academy um because it was an epic i think it was just at three hours or just under three hours (laughs) um but i i loved every minute of it. I was really into that. I, I liked Elvis and I like Boz Lerman. I am surprised that it's nominated um, for best picture because it, that one felt like a lot of people were like, you know, 
poo-pooing it. Like Austin Butler, yes, everyone was talking about his performance, but like yep. Hanks is nominated at, for a Razzie. Obviously, it doesn't mean anything, but yeah, people were talking not great things about that performance. I didn't mind it, but it was it was undeniably a distracting performance from Hanks. Yeah, right? Like it's a very face. performance performance. Um, but he's he's not the showcase. But still, I I didn't feel like people were loving the movie enough to get it as a best picture. Avatar was nominated for best picture also. So like, it doesn't surprise me. James Cameron is, he's one of those like blue collar success stories. Like he's not the traditional route to film. He is revolutionized cinema in every major movie that he's releasing. There's, and to be fair, barely releases movies. So every movie pretty much at this point he has released in the last 30 years has changed the way movies are made. This damn film's made over $2 billion. And, and look, so it's, a film which nobody wanted to see, apparently, which I've been guilty of kind of thinking, Avatar 2, it's made over $2 billion, John. And that's the thing about women talking that is so cool that it's in here, is that is the epitome of a low-budget film. It is yes. nine nine to ten actors in a, in a room talking for most of the movie. Um, great performances, tremendous performances, and yet none of them are represented anywhere, and that's that's upsetting too, that you have this important story and you're not getting nominations from um, anyone, right? Like, I don't think, am I missing like Jesse Buckley? Uh, yeah, not nominated? Yeah, no, nothing at all. Um, Jesse Buckley absolutely should have been on there. And, and it's, it is a movie I feel is like ver- barely seen. So it's exciting that it's on the list. Um, but like you said, uh, then to, to not include Sarah Polly um, on the director's list is a little jarring to me. Uh, but yeah, overall, the one thing I want to bring up, is listeners if you don't watch the oscars you may not know this but the five original songs get performed <laughs> during the ceremony yes and how they perform those songs vary sometimes it is the original artist sometimes it's they get other celebrities involved it it mixes up it's always a big it's a big part of the presentation of the night because it, it breaks up the monotony of and the award goes to right like we get these musical interludes that yep. eventually will lead to the announcement of who wins the best original song this year. And I'm sure it's happened before, but it definitely doesn't happen all the time. (laughs) We have an international films song, an international film that somehow is snubbed. And I do think it's snubbed because I don't know if there's ever been a international film seen by as many Americans as RRR um, prior to the nominations being announced, right? Like, cause that's usually when Americans start to care about the international genre, like art, like uh, designation is once they've announced the five, then movie people start going, Oh, I guess I should try to watch these. And yeah, this thing blew up. RRR was a blockbuster level Netflix movie. Now it did have a theatrical run, but that's not where it blew up. It blew up on Netflix. Yep. Um, people were talking about it all year. And the song, not to not to is nominated for best original song. <laughs> and I, I you'd love that so hyped to see the performance of that song i don't know how they're going to do it if there isn't choreographed suspender movements i will be disappointed um you know they're gonna go all out they have to i hope they do i'm i'm so excited to see how that goes yeah i mean best song i mean look you're gonna have diane warren singing you're gonna have lady gaga you're gonna have rihanna you're gonna have natu natu blowing the place up you're gonna have mitski on stage it ain't a bad lineup of songs to be um or artists to be checking out um yeah I, 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 I'm, like you say there's there's a few surprises here and there do i wish something like decision to leave had gotten any love yeah i do i do think that yeah. was that's a for me that's a gross grossly mis- um uh, snubbed film if you will both, but, you know, 
both of our cinematographer uh, winners is not even acknowledged as a it's best not picture. It's like, not even um, in the best international film, which again is fine because I haven't seen all the international films and they may be better, but for me, that film was excellent. And in terms of directing, you know, Gina Prince Bythewood and Sarah Poli for the most part have been fairly semi vocal online about missing out and the consequences of such or what kind of precedence it sets, which Sometimes I agree with, sometimes I don't agree with, you know, directors or actors coming out because kind of then I, I start to think, what was the motivation behind making the film? Was it to tell the story or was it to get an award? Um, or was it a bit of both? I'm not saying those two are falling into any negative category, but they have been getting, uh, they have been online talking about the, you know, what it means to miss out to the, to them and to, uh, other people involved so go check them out it's an in- they are interesting reads though but yeah oscars oh john uh march the 12th the ceremony sunday march the 12th we are going to find out who wins who mm-hmm. loses i have literally got one question for you though john i was going to mention it during it but i got so swept up with what you're saying you mentioned austin butler do you think do you think that's going to be the surprise of the night can you see him oh. topping colin farrell or brendan fraser because something in the back of my head is telling me I think he might win. I'm not going to put any money on it, but there's something in the back of my mind. I mean, he is playing a beloved historical figure. Uh, people love mm-hmm. Elvis. Um, so it's possible. I, I really, I don't know, man. I, I feel like Brandon Fraser um, is a likely win, but I don't know. I don't know. Cause the whale got no other love really. I mean, um, uh, yeah, I think you've got makeup, I think. Yeah. Which obviously, I mean, that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but like, it, you know, Aronofsky's not there, and he's he's been he's been nominated a few times. Uh, his movies are always a little edgy, but he's been nominated. Yep. And um, I thought the whale might sneak in because of that, but no, nope, uh, he was not on that list. So I don't know, Elvis is, but Elvis is, and that is the curveball, right? Like that is that movie's nominated for best picture. Maybe that's why, because they are like we want to, we want to justify him winning the award. So like, it's not just his performance. The movie's excellent. It's nominated. Yeah. It's one of our 10 nominees, but it's because of this guy. This is the reason, you know? So maybe yeah. it's, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Well, we'll find out in a few weeks time, JB. So uh, that's the Oscars and the Razzies then for this year. Uh, let's move on to me, uh, media consumption now, which is our segment where we discuss all the media we've been consuming since the last episode. So movies, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours. Anything we've done to pass time since the last show. So Joey, JB, what you been checking out? Well, Blank Check uh, just did the Shallow Grave episode. So we've started the Danny Boyle series. So I listened to that. Uh, very, very good first episode. It's just the guys, no guests on that one. Um, all all fans of Shallow Grave, which I really like that movie a lot. I'm glad I, I own it on Criterion. Um, I... Uh, have been i beat god of war from 2018 um immediately had to buy god of war ragnarok uh i did get it for ps4 instead of spending the extra money to get a ps5 um i am working my way through that game it it is man what what uh just so compelled i don't know why i didn't click with the the game when i (laughs) first bought it um that but i'm kind of glad i didn't because now i get to jump right into the sequel instead of having to wait four years um so advantage me um and then for movies, I haven't, I've been playing God of War, so I haven't been watching as many movies. Um, but I did go see Missing, which I can't wait for you to get to see, but that would have been oh, our episode this week, but it wasn't released in the UK on time. Um, I love searching. I've taught searching. I think I even mentioned that, uh, maybe on the last episode. Uh, I think Missing is a maybe, maybe better story 
but it's hard okay. to top John Cho's performance. John Cho is just so great. He's great. Um, but no, no criticism to the actors in this movie. Storm Reed, I think does a really good job, but I think, uh, even how this is a spiritual sequel, not a direct sequel. I think there's some really cool nods to searching that a, someone like myself who's watched it too many times, probably um, <laughs> will pick up on a really, really. And, and, and like, I was enjoying those things. That's cool. Though. Um, uh, then um, it's Sundance right now. Yes. And while I am not a, a Sundance critic, uh, nor did I apply to be, cause I just, I'm, I'm a realist. Uh, I don't have that kind of pull to be on that list, but um, I did buy some tickets uh, I've watched two of the four movies that I'm watching from Sundance because uh, it is virtual again. Um, I think something that the the one positive of the pandemic is it made film festivals figure out ways to do things online. Uh, and I like getting mm. to see things. Um, so I saw Shortcomings, which is the Randall Park directorial debut. I hope that's right. I hope I didn't just screw up who it is. Um, and uh, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, but partly cuz the the lead character is oh he is um a bit obnoxious uh but he's supposed to be uh it is Randall Park I didn't mess that up yay me um uh, and not the <laughs> performance I think Justin H Min does a terrific job but man is that character unlikable so it's very very hard um fans of crazy rich Asians will also probably take offense to the opening of this movie as it bashes <laughs> that movie um or more like maybe bashes its success. But uh, I think what the movie's saying is, is positive and it's, it's, it's got some laughs in it. Um, it just, it, it wasn't, I was really expecting like a five star kind of rom-com and it's more of like a three star. Um, and then I caught this kind of like tone poem called all dirt roads lead to salt. Um, it's produced by Barry Jenkins, which is why it was recommended to me. Cause I'm a mm-hmm. big Barry Jenkins fan. I need the guy to make some movies. Uh, cause I know he did a show and I haven't watched the series that he did, but I like, I would love a Barry Jenkins movie to come out. Um, but, uh, all dirt roads, taste of salt. Um, I gotta say I, one of the things, the downside of Sundance at home is I am distracted. Uh, I was definitely distracted the last couple of days. It's been a hectic week and, um, but I, I bought the tickets in advance. So like, I, I gotta watch the movies when I can. So I'm like, I know going in, I'm like, I'm not in the mood to watch a movie, but this movie, despite that, I definitely didn't give it my full attention, but I, the the fact that it wasn't a narrative in the traditional sense, that it's not cramming a story or plot down your throat, it's just these kind of sequences, and they're emotionally connected, it kind of hit the, the right vibe for me while I was watching it, where I was just like, this is kind of what I need. It's like, I can look up at it, I can feel it, even if I'm not really connecting all of the dots, you don't have to for you to get the vibe, and yeah. I kind of like that part of it. Um it, honestly, if I was watching it with a hundred percent of my attention, I might've been more irritated. The fact that it isn't a traditional narrative. Um, but because I was doing some other stuff while I was watching it, I kind of think that it just hit right for me. So, uh, overall positive on the two films I've watched. I have two more to watch, uh, later in the week, um, from nice. Sundance. Nice. And then the last thing uh, I waited because I know you also watch this. I forgot on Sunday night that the second episode of last of us came out, but remembered on Monday, uh, managed to avoid spoilers and did watch the episode. And man, I, I it's making me want to replay the games because I love yeah. the character so much. And, uh, Pedro Pascal guys give him all the roles. I just, I love watching him. He's so charismatic and he just, no matter what he's doing, it was just like, I can't stop watching him when he's on screen. Yeah, we've said, um, I've spoken uh, about this as well, that something like The Last of Us really shows what Pedro Pascal can do compared to 
the Mandalorian, which he's obviously the star of, but probably spends about couple of hours each year on on set or in the on the in the booth doing the voice of this is a vehicle for pedro pascal to show just how good he is and this is only episode two john um what was your what was your kind of reaction to the episode it was it as because the first the first episode to me was damn near flawless um and the second one whilst you know if the first one was a 10 out of 10 the second one to me was a 9 out of 10 it was it was i thought it was really good yeah um I, I agree. I had no uh, no major issues. I thought that we got to see some really cool stuff. I have I played the first game when it came out, um, so mm-hmm. I had to do some reading because I was like, wait, I don't remember if what happens in the game. And I, I, you know, I won't say for spoiler reasons either way. But I, I was like, I needed to kind of read up to like, wait, how did this play out in the game? Oh yeah, okay, I remember that. But like, it didn't just come to me. Yeah, the series changes a few things up, and all the changes so far from the first two episodes, I think, have been justified and have actually worked better in this medium. Remember, remember it's an adaptation. It's not a to not to you, John, but to uh, to you know to the world. It's an adaptation. It's not a straight up remake. So there will be things that they change. I'm just can't wait for John to watch the next episode, uh, and hopefully, when we talk about that next week, I cannot wait for that. Um, but yeah, show goes from strength to strength. Uh, I haven't really been doing as much the last week john because i have had the worst migraines for the last few days which make me not want to do anything um but i've been watching a few things and i've been listening to a few things i listened to the dead meat podcast because they discussed pearl and speaking of speaking of oscar emissions we knew it was never gonna happen we knew not in a million years of sundays and a million oscar uh, ceremonies was mia goff ever going to be nominated because horror just because she should have been up in that damn best actress uh, nomination for that monologue in Pearl, if anything. But um, yeah, so I listened to them discuss Pearl. Uh, I, I watched the last episode too, thought it was really good. I've been playing Ghostwire Tokyo on PS5. I mentioned this last week mm. that I'd got it on a rental and I'm enjoying it. Um, like I mentioned in the bloody awesome section last week, I want to uh, play stuff which I wouldn't usually play. I've got so stuck in my ways of playing the new Star Wars game when it comes out or playing a sports game like it was FIFA or NHL and then you know and then playing something like The Last of Us when it comes out something which I feel like I have an attachment with and then just not playing anything having this console just not playing games because well it hasn't got a lightsaber or it hasn't got Joel in it or whatever so I'm like no no I'm you know I've, I've got this rental scheme I'm going to stop re- renting games which maybe I wouldn't play not because I don't like the premise of them but I don't know why I, I, I'm a funny, funny creature of habit. Again, I've got to have a connection to get into it. But I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get Ghostwire Tokyo. Got that on rent. Uh, the uh, Tango Game Works Bethesda game. Uh, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm only a couple. I've only played an hour, a couple of hours, but I'm enjoying it. It's a first-person uh, game, and it's uh, you go through uh, Tokyo, funnily enough, and you have to kind of use magic and karate to take down these these spirits and ghosts that are haunting Tokyo and. So I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I think the gameplay, the mechanics are good. Um, you know, they, maybe they could be expanded on somewhat, but so far I'm enjoying it. It looks as good as you'd imagine. And um, hopefully by this time next week, I'll be able to give a slightly more in-depth, spoiler-free uh, review of it. But no, I, I'm quite pleased 
that stepping out of my comfort zone and getting new games for a console I paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars and pounds for. Yeah. User damn yeah. thing. And um, lastly, John, I mentioned that Andrea Riceborough has been nominated for Best Actress. This film's come out of nowhere. To Leslie, it's called. Come out of nowhere. You know, no one was talking about it last year. Maybe... Uh, maybe anyone, maybe those who saw this, this on the film festival circuit were, but let's face it, I hadn't heard of this film. I don't know if you had, John. I'd never, I hadn't heard of this film until about a month ago. Um, yeah, which is odd. Sounds right. it's, it's Andrea Riseborough. It's um, Alison Janey. Mark Marone's in it as well, and he's very good in this. You know, it's not like it, it's an indie film. Like we we're talking about low budget indie. This has all of the hallmarks of a low budget indie film. And you know, I watched it off out of curiosity. I was like, is Andrea Riseborough that good? What's the film? Like, is it any good? Uh, it's available to rent. If you've got three three pounds or $4 to drop, you can get it on, um, I think it's anything on Apple or I can't even remember where I rented it from now. Prime, maybe? It's somewhere. But um, just g- g- Google it. You'll find out where to get it from. It's about three or four pounds. Um, but I-, I watched it and it's a good film, actually. So I-, I quite enjoyed it. It's about a, a Texan mother. She's a single mother in Texas, played by the very English Andrea Riceborough. Who, um, who who wins the lottery? This is Paul part of the synopsis. She wins the lottery, but then squanders it all away. And at the same time, she's been struggling to provide oh. for her son, a teenage son. Um, and it's more about her story when she's hit the bottom, basically. And Mark Marone plays a manager, like a hotel manager, motel manager, who kind of mm. takes her in, tries to help her out somewhat, but. Uh, yeah, Andrea, Andrea Riceborough, she is excellent in this. She is really, really very good in this film, like, as in, like, very good. Um, but Mark Moran, surprisingly, surprisingly, is really damn good in this as well. Like, really I good. like him anyways, but uh, Sword of Trust is a movie not enough people have seen, and I think he is so good in. Um, mm-hmm. If you, it, It's got also Jillian Bell, um, who I'm not always a fan of, but I really like her in that movie. as um, And... Uh, if you can watch that, it's also, it's directed by, um, Lynn Shelton and, um, yes. And she, you know, she passed away in 2020. Uh, so it was, it's her last movie. I think it was her last movie. I don't know if something came out after that, but, um, highly recommend, uh, if you thought he was good in this, I, I know I haven't seen it, so he might be better in two Leslie, I think but he he's is. just a sort of trust. He's just so good. in, And it, it's his movie. Like he's the lead in that. Um, I yeah, just think kind he's of flies under the radar, doesn't he, for his acting? Because obviously he's yeah. got the the WTF podcast, which is good in yes. fits and starts. I quite enjoy it, but um, other than his annoying tendencies on air, but which mm-hmm. we've mentioned a few times. Um, but he is a very, very, very capable actor, and he's great in that, and he's great in this. And yeah, the film, this film's like a, the real kind of humanity to this film. It's not poking fun at kind of alcoholism or abuse or anything like that. The film actually kind of scoops it up and, like I say, with a lot of humanity, shows this story. Um, and the character, uh, Andrea Riseborough's character, actually, she is, you know, she's, she's a she's fully developed in this. It's not just a, you know, a, a, a person, you know, a, a single Texan mother who's struggling. So we'll just have montages of her drinking out of a vodka bottle or something. You know, it's not a surface level of that. This is really goes deep, and uh, I think it's a really good film. And I'm having watched it i get why andrea riceborough has been nominated i'm just surprised that there was no just mention before there was this kind of odd celebrity clamor which i haven't really seen before and and that has also raised the ire of people who you know studios put poor millions into these campaigns to get their actors nominated and all it took was 
you know, a call to a couple of your A-list mates to tweet about it and Instagram message about it with suspiciously all, all tweeting the same text as well. But mm. hey, look, it's, it, it's worked, but the performance does back it up. I will say that though, the performance does back it up. Um, so yeah, go check it out. It's available. It's available to rent. Like I say, it's, it's about three, four pounds to rent. And if I, in, mm. I don't know when it's coming out. Um, yeah, if it's going to be on any streaming services, I'm going to pick it up for to stream. But Amazon Prime has got it for like three three pound fifty. Apple TV does have it, so check it out. I, I would recommend checking okay. it out, John. But, it's on the um, list for sure. Yeah, so that's everything I've been checking out this week. Looking forward to talking about the Last of Us next week, JB. However, before then. We have to remind everyone that we love doing this show. We've been doing it for, I think this is the sixth year, I think now, that the show has been in existence. We It's bloody awesome, isn't it? But we need to stay bloody awesome. For six years, we've been staying bloody awesome. But week to week, we've got to find new ways to do so. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome in the last week? Well, I got to be a guest at a wedding. Um, and it was a big nice. wedding because it was uh, a co-worker's wedding, but a friend and a former student she is. Uh, oh, and, wow. Um, I got to, my wife and I went to her wedding on Saturday, um, love her and her husband. And it was great. Uh, it was, it was one of the nicest weddings I've been to in my life. Um, especially as my adult life. Like when I was a kid, I got to go to like family friend weddings all the time and they were always really nice. And then I think our generation, uh, it got too expensive or maybe our parents didn't have money to pay for it. And I just, every what everybody i know who's gotten married have had relatively small affairs maybe even just family only or it's like a reception at their house that kind of thing this was like mm-hmm. a more traditional wedding so it wasn't a, uh, it was like an outdoors uh wedding ceremony place but it was still like you know there was a reception we had a big tent uh the food was quite good the desserts were very good although i gotta say some of the guests at the wedding don't know proper protocol like the dessert table was out immediately after the ceremony but you weren't supposed to go to it. Like it was like cocktail hour and um, like, you know, hors d'oeuvres and people were just snatching like the desserts, man, where like we, we didn't get to trial everything, which is okay. But the stuff we did have was real good. Um, and it was I always just a good ask time. about the food. I'll always ask about the food at weddings. Oh yeah. Uh, they, man, um, I think it's, is it chicken sat- satay or satay? satay? Dude, I've never had that before. This good stuff, and isn't it? It was so good, dude. I wanted. To, I wish I could have got a few more of those. Uh, those we have chicken over on a here. Stick. We love it. Yeah, super good. Um, but yeah, uh, good. It was a good time. Um, got to uh, met some new people. Um, we you know we there were it was formal like tables where we had place settings kind of thing, and uh, my coworker knows me well enough. She put us with other teachers, a few I work <laughs> with, but a few uh, from others like other schools that she went to college with. They are now teachers. Um, nice. And they were, they were all really cool. It was, it was a really good time. My wife and I had a blast and had, like I said, we hadn't been out like at a big social gathering like that really since the pandemic. So it was, it was nice getting back out and uh, talking to people and, and connecting and stuff. That sounds awesome. And you and I are both the same in that sometimes we quite like the sanctity of our own four walls and going out yes. to the big wide world for a social event can sometimes be like, ah, okay. But when you get there, we usually have a good time. But so I'm glad to hear that you and your wife had a blast and also that the ceremony was, was a beautiful one. So congratulations to the, the happy couple next time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they're not next time for them. Next time you have a wedding invite. Where's mine? Yeah. I'll be the plus three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ooh. I'll, I'll, try some american food dude um mine is slightly less bombastic and slightly less food oriented as well but it's this it's no less cool uh audiobooks john 
I do love mm. an audio book, but I I fall in and out of love with them because I don't know about you. And when I listen to one, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but I have to be in or else before I know it, five minutes has gone past and I've missed out the last five mm. minutes because I've been working, concentrating on the road or uh, doing stuff around the house or whatever. I really have to focus, but because I've just been uh, bedridden is the wrong thing to say, but kind of chilling out, laying in a darkened room with a hood up, trying to keep the sun and light out of my eyes to rest my old head. I'm thinking, what can I do? I don't really sometimes, like I said, I don't want to watch TV because flashing lights and that. Um, I don't really want to stare at my phone because well, I don't want to be at a, <laughs> who does? So I was like, what can I do to pass the time? And there's only so many podcasts I can listen to because there's only so many I do listen to, um, despite John telling me, which I will one day hold him up to and listen to the ones he tells me to. Um, But I was like, you know what? I've listened to some audio books because I have an Audible account, but I I, I paused it recently because I was paying £8 a month and not actually using it. So I've probably given them about £100 in the last year for nothing. Um, So I went on there and had a few um, free credits, I realised. So I downloaded some audio books. Obviously, I got some Star Wars ones because I've read the books because we get them sent to us. So I read them. So having so knowing the story, I, I feel like I could listen to them, enjoy them, not worry too much if I miss a few bits. So I blasted through the one called one called Aftermath, which is a Chuck Wendig book, which is actually the first canon novel released since Disney took over, alongside Lost Stars. Um, to read it, it's quite painful because <laughs> that the the way it's written isn't great, but to listen to it is very good. Um, but I also downloaded things like The Lord of the Rings uh, and Stephen King's It. I mean, I've read that book. That book is a tome. You, you, could, you could use it to, as a foundation for your house. But that's I really, really enjoy listening to audio books when I'm in that kind yeah. of zone because you get so much out of it. Plus, when they've got good production, when they've got music, oh, when yeah. they've got sound Big effects, time. really adds to it. So I've been listening to a lot more audio books, which is why my film and TV consumption has been down this week. I also watched a few episodes of The Book of Boba Fett as well because uh, we spoke about it on Star Wars Sessions this week. How do we feel about it a year later? <laughs> a year later I re- when I rewatched the show I thought I could really see the problems of this show I really enjoy it but god damn is it disjointed and did they shoot themselves in the foot with two Mando episodes um, so oh yeah and also like we said January is quite a lean month for films coming out at this point we're going to start kicking off with more and more films coming out in February and March but you know, there's been no real reason to jump out and go to the theatre because there's not much that much out there isn't really an awful lot dropping on streaming I was like, well, now's the time to sit back and enjoy some audio books. And I'm having a bloody awesome time doing so, John. Indeed, sir. Right. Well, that is going to be our episode this week for Jung E. Like we said, we thought it was pretty good. It was fine. No spoiler episode, though. So we're going to be back again next week with our review of a film called Millennium Bugs, which is going to be dropping on VOD. Uh, it's going to be dropping on iTunes and many more. John. Millennium Bugs, where's this come from? I'll let you uh, explain. So a few years ago on Top 5 Movies, one of my old podcasts at Burke Reviews and Movie Club and Burke Reviews uh, podcast, depending on how it's uh, queued up there, I uh, had uh, um, Alejandro, on- oh boy, Alejandro Mont- Montoya Marin, oh boy, I hope I got that right. Um, I've said his name a million times. For some reason, I just stuttered <laughs> through it. Um, Alejandro had reached out to me uh, to cover his first feature that uh, debuted at South by Southwest and was a part of the uh, Rebel Without a Film Crew TV series on the L. Um, I forget uh, Robert Rodriguez. El Mariachi. Network, L- no, El Mariachi. Oh, the film. Uh, um, he has a well. He has a TV. 
uh, network here. It's L something. Um, I'm going to forget it's TV series, but it was uh, the rebel without a crew was on that series. It was also on the internet. You can watch, it. I think you can watch it now. It's a really good series uh, that mm-hmm. he took, I think six directors or five directors and each one got to make a feature film at the same budget as El Mariachi. Um, Alejandro's was called Monday. I really liked Monday. I um, saw in that fact, too. there's a graphic novel called Tuesday. That is the sequel to Monday that you can get on Amazon. Um, okay, that Alejandro wrote, um, which I also own. So I am, uh, and he no. was on an episode of top five movies after I reviewed Monday. Um, and full disclosure, I've, I've taught Monday once and he did a impromptu Skype Q and a with my class. So Alejandro, uh, I would, I'd like to say he's a friend acquaintance for sure, but definitely a friend. Um, and we are going to be reviewing this movie and full disclosure. I've seen millennium bugs before and already know I like it going in, but haven't seen it in a while. Um, so I'm looking forward to rewatching it and, uh, giving a, a formal podcast review about it, but just know there is definitely a little bias on my part. Um, I don't know a lot of directors uh, and he's been a really cool uh, friend over the years um, on the internet. We all social. I've never met him in person, even though he was in my backyard one day and I didn't know it and we just missed <laughs> each other. But um, you know, uh, I think he's a really talented filmmaker and I'd love to help uh, people find out his movies exist. Cause I really do think they're good. Like it's not just because I, he's not the only film from that show that I saw. I do think it's the best one that I've seen uh, without getting into which other ones I've saw. And I think, um, you know, I, I like, I like fostering that, that uh, ability. I, I want people to know about his movie so that he gets an opportunity to make it bigger and better. Cause he, he's got big vision um, and he's managed to execute with very little budgets um, some really top quality stuff. And I'm excited that Millennium Bugs is getting a, a release that people can see it. Yes, we're going to be talking about it next week. I also saw Monday and enjoyed it a lot as well. Um, I remember, I think it was, uh, he via Big Tuna got, got it for me and I enjoyed Monday. Now, I haven't seen Millennium Bugs. Maybe I'll hate it. Maybe I'll love it. Um, either way, we're going to be discussing it next week on the show. So uh, tune in for that, please do. But if you want to talk to us about Jung-E, Millennium Bugs, or any other film in the world, you can find us online. If you go to Twitter and find us at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where can I find us on Instagram? At Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Yes, sir. We're also on Facebook if you're on there as well. Uh, if you look on the Tomato Meter for Jung E this week, you will also see that the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast will have put up a review for that film or a rating shall we say so we'll be contributing to the tomato meter as we will each week being an rt approved publication uh you can find us also individually online you can find me what i watch tonight.co.uk uh search what i watch tonight across all the social medias and letterboxd and john where on earth are you in the world i'm at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms uh, okay go and rate and review us if you like what we're doing here we certainly hope you do those five stars really would help the show grow it would get more listeners in it would bump us up the algorithm and the ranking lists plus we just like knowing there's more film fans out there for us to talk to each week but with that as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 